Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mind Body Green's beauty podcast, Clean Beauty School. I am your host and Mind Body Green's beauty director, Alexander Engler. On this podcast, we explore beauty through the lens of well being. And on today's episode, I am joined by Mona Vand. She is a doctor of pharmacology, she is a content creator, she is a well being expert. She's everything. I'm so excited to chat with her today. So, Without further ado, Mona, welcome. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for joining me. I, I'm really excited to hear more about your story and your journey into the well-being space. Why don't we start off with what was your journey into medicine specifically and you know, going into uh, pharmacology? Yeah, so I went to pharmacy school directly from high school. It was a direct program. You got your doctorate in six years and So there was essentially no undergrad. It was just all one program. And it wasn't that I dreamed about being a pharmacist per se, but culturally coming from a Persian background, it's pretty common for your parents to want you to go into medicine or engineering or law. So I went to pharmacy school, really liked what I was learning. I actually fell in love with understanding the body and health and chemistry and was excited to get into the work field. And then once I graduated and moved to LA, I started my first day as a pharmacist and hated it and had this moment where I was like, this is not what I was meant to do. And I think it was a combination of, okay, I just spent six years working towards this goal and now I have nothing else to work towards. This is kind of the finality of my life. And also just that the workplace wasn't what I envisioned me using all the knowledge I had gained. And you know, I could keep going into the things I didn't like about it because I did work for about eight years as a pharmacist as I was finding my way into a different career. But that combined with living in LA, I feel fortunate that I was in such a community of wellness. Everyone around me was so into fitness and health and I was already had the background and then I was just immersed in this culture and I was really into it. So that's where my health journey just kept evolving and the two just kind of merged into one to bring me to where I am today. Sure. Were you always interested in you know, well-being and wellness. Obviously, you had an interest in medicine and the body, but you know, what was it about the wellness industry that you know caught your attention? Growing up, it was so it's so common for parents, Persian parents, to bring you in a plate of fruit every night. We eat a lot of fruits and vegetables, so I had a natural taste and like you know joy for healthy food. But that was not to say it was healthy. I also ate everything else unhealthy. It was an interesting combination. My last year of pharmacy school, when I had a second to breathe, we were on external rotations. So that meant like no exams. It was a little bit easier. It was like you were working and I joined a gym and that was my first time going to a gym doing a group class because I came from a small town and we didn't have things like that. So I fell in love with this cardio kickboxing class and I refer to it a lot because that class completely changed my life. It gave me that... um, adrenaline of like liking working out. It was the first thing I have ever enjoyed. So that whole year I started really going down a path of like, let me try eating a little bit healthier. Let me try to reach my health goals. And then when I moved to LA again, it just kind of, all of it just kept getting more and more intense in terms of like everything I was into and interested in. And then my health journey evolved. I remember I love to share my first thing I thought was healthy was like, oh, this bread is only 20 calories and this cheese is only 15 calories and who knows what was in it or why. It was just low calorie, that was healthy. Clearly realized that that wasn't what health meant. And then it was like vegan, Everything's everything vegan is healthy. I went vegan and I was so passionate about it, which 
can be a beautiful diet if you're doing it the right way. I was not. I was doing a lot of processed food and healthy food, but just overall, you know, that was my idea of health and it was very blind. And then my eyes opened up more to like clean eating and holistic ways of cooking and how there's not one way for everybody at all. So that was really the evolution of my health journey. I'm also very curious about the transition from your old career to what you're doing now and making that that jump. I, I can imagine it's intimidating to all of a sudden start a new phase of your life in that way. Definitely intimidating. First, it was, what am I even going to do? You know, when I had that moment, the first year I had to stick it out at Rite Aid. I was working at Rite Aid Pharmacy in like Venice and Santa Monica, mostly Santa Monica. And I had to work. I had to pay off my crazy amount of student loans. So I felt very trapped, but I was asking family friends. And it was actually a family friend who referred me to another Persian who knew a Persian who was working at this closed door pharmacy. So then I switched there and I was like, okay, this is more of an office setting. This is way more chill. This is going to be my career. Then I realized I was not fulfilled doing that. So it was kind of a combination of, okay, number one, I don't want to be in a super stressful environment like a retail pharmacy. Number two, I actually want to be fulfilled. So I again started asking around friends, mentors, and I became friends with this TV host who was like, you know, you should be the expert that comes on during cold and flu season and share tips. And I, and funny enough, I actually wanted to be a news anchor when I was in high school. I always loved TV and media, and I just thought it looked fun and exciting. But my parents were just not in support of that. And I think I, you know, you believe everything your parents say, where you're like, okay, that's just not realistic. That's not real life. So, I ended up kind of merging those two things. And I'm like, my really, my initial pursuit was like, okay, how can I be the expert on TV? Maybe I can have a show. And I started taking hosting classes. I learned how to speak on camera. And I was, all I knew was, I don't know what I'm going to do, but even pursuing this is so fun and exciting. And it was giving me life and something to work towards again. I think I realized I have to always have a goal to work towards or a project. And I just said, I don't know where this is going to take me, but it's going to give me leverage. If I can build some kind of community and voice, then I could write a book. I could create a product. I could be on a show. And that was my goal. And social media just also was up on the rise because this was like 2013, 14, right around Instagram. So it ended up just naturally segueing into Instagram. I sometimes look back at my college experience, which was like right before it, when I moved to New York, Instagram was like, that was when it just started. Right. And like, you know, I kind of look back at what I was taught in school. I went to journalism school and, you know, it's just looking back and just thinking how differently we thought our lives were going to be uh, compared to what they are now. And it's like truly all thanks to to Instagram and now TikTok and et cetera, et cetera. It's just, I mean, it's wild what these social media platforms have have done for folks, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I... I'd like to ask this question because I think it illuminates the the broader conversation we're going to have. And it's, what is your well-being philosophy? You know, my philosophy has, has obviously evolved and shifted, but I feel like it's in such a permanent place because it feels very grounded in like ancient science. And it just feels like it makes sense. Wellness from within is obviously something I truly believe in. But really that there's these four kind of pillars to health and you have to pay attention to each of them equally because I've been in situations where I've only paid attention to one and I meet experts who are focused on this one 
And then someone else is like, no, this is the key. It actually doesn't matter what you're eating. All that matters is your mindset. And my philosophy is that everything, all of these have their place. So it's really what goes in your body, like clean food in your body, what you're eating, what kind of medication and supplements you're taking, and then what goes on your body. So that's your beauty, your skincare. And I always love bringing that one up because so many people say it doesn't matter, but let's not forget that even Western medicine believes in nicotine patches and pain patches. So we obviously know that we absorb a lot through the skin. What goes around your body? So environmental toxins, which I think is right now kind of having a moment where people are realizing, oh, fragrances make a difference. Like what are my cleaning products, pesticides, even that you're breathing in? And then what goes in your mind? So your mindset, I mean, just having optimism, having faith, having trust in the process, even the way you go about, let's say making, let's say you're making soup. If your intention is this is healthy, this is great for my body versus I'm sick and I need this, like that can actually change the way it impacts your body. And I think that's so fascinating. So I really think all of these make a difference. And like you can find arguments for why one is more important than the other. But I think when we tie it all in, it just reminds us that it's all connected. Sure. There, what you just said about the soup example, that reminded me, wasn't there a recent study that had something to do with, you know, or I'm not sure if it was super recent, but a recent-ish study that showed that how people approach their food changed the way that their body metabolized the food, which I thought was fascinating. It's fascinating. There are so many studies like this that show, I mean, Joe Dispenza is someone I really respect in this space because he has so many great studies in his books on his website. If you go to his conferences, he shares, but I mean, just your thought alone can change things. I mean, there's, it's just really cool stuff there. There was one experiment. Have you heard of the one with the housekeepers? Yes. Yes, I have. Yeah. But talk about it because I love this. It's basically there was two, they were doing an experiment with these housekeepers and they had two different groups and, you know, they're working all day cleaning in a hotel. And one group they told, this is such a good exercise. Like, this is great for you. And the other group they said nothing to. And then the group that thought it was a good exercise ended up like losing body fat. Like I think losing, I don't know exactly where it was inches on their waist or body fat or their blood pressure dropped. There was actual measures that they were able to see that they got healthier just because they believed in it and it was their intention behind it. Yeah, I loved that study when somebody told me that. It just completely changed the way that even I I approach walking to work or something, you know, it's... You know what I do now? I have this, I don't know when this shifted, but whenever I don't want to, let's say I'm like on the other side of the house and I'm like, ugh. Can you know, I'll ask like my fiance, can you get me something? And I'm like, you know what? No, like take my body for a walk, move. Like I think about it, like let me get a little bit more blood flow. I swear it motivates me. And when I, you know, I've been really focusing on just moving more, even if it's not a full workout in the middle of the day, just walking, walking. And I'm like, take your organs for a walk, take your body for a walk, get blood flow. It's so important for your mental health. It reduces your stress. It's just good to think of it that way. And when you have that intention, you just, look at it different. No, absolutely. Um, I think this kind of segues into the next thing I wanted to talk about pretty easily. And, you know, from, from what I gather from the work that you do and how you help people, a lot of it is 
or helping people on their wellness journeys, a lot of it is helping people identify roadblocks and, you know, how how people can overcome these roadblocks. So I'm curious when you chat with people and when you are doing your work or just doing your your job of education, what are you finding are some of the biggest roadblocks or barriers to people starting this wellness journey? And how how do you help people find how to start their wellness journey, really? I've noticed it's different for a lot of people. Like everyone has their own thing that's getting in the way. A lot of times they think they can't afford it or they think they don't have time. Even someone on my team was like, you know, I just want like the quick result and knowing how long it takes. So there's so many things where they're like, oh, this is just unattainable and they're not seeing the results right away. So a lot of times I think making really small goals, just like noticing small differences or setting longer, actual longer timeframes that last year of pharmacy school, when I joined the gym and did kickboxing, I don't know why, but something intuitively was like, it's September. My goal is going to be for June to notice a difference in my body that I want to notice. And it was the best thing. First of all, I had felt like I saw results in like March. But when I gave myself a realistic time goal, it just wasn't like you were judging every moment of it. And I also think the affordability thing, I, I of course, it's more expensive to buy organic or it's more expensive to be mindful. But you know, there's also choices that people make. Like maybe you're not buying a coffee when you're out. Maybe you're not going out for drinks. Maybe you're not ordering in and everyone's story is different. But I think that we all can like pick and choose taking a little bit of extra time. Do we value watching a little more TV or do we value like cooking more, you know, taking a little more time to cook dinner? My mom even, I did that too. The other day she was like, I spent the summer with my family. I spent the whole summer with my parent, my mom and my grandparents. And it was like this family reunion under one roof. It was wild. And my mom got to actually see how I eat. And I think in the past, it's almost seemed like it was restrictive from the outside. But then when she was watching me, she was like, wow, honestly, I have so much respect Like you take your time. Like every night I was cutting my vegetables and preparing my food and She's like, but, I don't, but honey, I don't have time for that. And I'm like, mom, what do you do when you get home from work? She spends two hours scrolling Instagram every single night. It's like her hobby. And I'm like, you do have time. And everyone has a little bit of time. They can contribute to it. I think that's such a good tip. It's like, where can you steal time away to contribute to the things that you know are making you happier, right? Like studies show time and time again that while social media has its benefits, spending too much time on it and like, you know, not spending time on it in a beneficial way does harm your mental health, right? Like we know that through, through studies. So it's like, we know that that's an area that we should probably limit how much time we're spending on it. So let's take time from that and move it into other buckets. I think it's like such an easy, easy solution. And I think what you said is so like, just appropriate because in small pockets and in little amounts, it can bring so much value. And when you're following the right accounts that either inspire you or motivate you or teach you, but when you spend too much time, you just feel horrible. I don't know, like if I would say 95% of the time I'm off my phone by 8 PM. That's my rule for myself because I feel the best. Then every once in a while, I just, you know, my mind plays a trick on me and I'm like, you know what, just take it easy. Like go on your phone right when you wake up. And then I'll like find myself scrolling for hours and I literally feel agitated. I genuinely feel like icky. And it's not even like I'm looking at accounts that make me feel jealous or, or bad about myself. There's actual studies that just all of the EMFs and like the blue light can actually make you feel irritated. So I'm like, that makes sense. There's science behind this. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think your point is so true. It's like 
it's truly just the, t- the sitting there on the technology itself. It's not necessarily that you're like mad at what people are posting. It's just... If it is making you feel bad and there's a double whammy of why you'll feel horrible. Absolutely. So this inspires another question. You seem like somebody who is good at setting boundaries for themselves, who says, I know that I need to achieve this goal, so I need to do X, Y, Z to get there. Or I know that this thing is indulgent, but it doesn't make me happy. So I know where to draw the line. And I think it can be hard to develop that skill. I think it truly is a skill. I think setting boundaries is a skill. So how do you approach that? How how do you enact that in your own life? I always just feel like it's life is always about choices. And clearly, I value what I'm going to get out of it more than I value going out maybe for drinks or watching more TV. So I always wish like I had a, oh, look, I push myself because X, Y, Z. But I'm like, I obviously just want this thing more than that thing. And I think when you really know on the inside what's going to make you happier, then you'll pursue it. I I also, interestingly, pharmacy school, even though I'm not working as a pharmacist anymore, I do think it gave me a kind of discipline and a work ethic that I didn't necessarily have in high school because I've found that ever since college, I have a hard time. It's like pretty rare that I will just like lay around and do nothing I, I get like, I thrive off of like, while I'm watching my show, I'm doing the dishes or I'm folding my laundry or I'm going through my emails. Like I like being able to do a few things at the same time. And then of course you need a little bit of downtime, but I just think there's something about that work ethic that made me a little bit more driven, which you can gain because I didn't naturally have it. I was not one of those kids who wanted to get good grades. I just did it because I had to. <laughs> it was not an option. Totally. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think think what you said encapsulates this idea that if you are mindful about what actually brings you joy and what you actually want out of life, making and setting those boundaries becomes much easier because all of a sudden you understand the why behind it. You know, if you don't have the why behind boundaries, they're so easy to push over. Of course, because then you also, your mind can really play tricks on you where you're like, no, it's actually good for your mental health to watch TV. Like you need to relax. And you're like, okay, no, I'm doing this because I know when I do breath work, it relaxes my body and it helps me sleep better. And you can just, I love the why all of my friends are always like, you are the most inquisitive person. I have to always understand why and how does this work? Because it makes me remember it and it helps me have intention behind everything. Yeah. So this goes into self, the conversation of self-care, which is something I wanted to talk with you about anyway. You know, I think self-care lately has gotten a little bit of bad branding. I think people maybe view it as fluff or a little superficial I obviously know that's not true. I think people who truly practice self-care know that's not true. Um, but I, I'm curious, how has your understanding of self-care changed over time? And you know what, what have been some of your bigger breakthroughs into understanding self-care? So my idea of self-care started out pretty superficial, I would say. In my 20s, living in LA, like right in the heart of it, I think it was like doing a face mask and skincare routine and a hair mask. It was very beauty based. It made me feel good. Like it was like relaxing. But I think as I've evolved in terms of just working on self-love, because I know in my 20s, I did not love myself. And it's so cliche to hear that you have to love yourself like the most. And I think like there's such a journey to getting there. Mine was so long. It was like 
meditation and therapy and being introspective. And I think once you really love yourself, it's almost like this different lens you have in terms of taking care of yourself. And I even say the way I cook my food and take my time, it's like, I want to take care of my body. It really makes me feel good. And knowing what goes into my food and knowing there's care. And now my idea of self-care is like an Epsom salt bath because it's so relaxing. It relaxes my mind. The magnesium is great for my body. It's having like a hot soup that I know is nourishing my body. It's reading a good book, journaling, meditating, exercising. I mean, exercising is at least half mental health and physical health for me. The way you feel after is just night and day. So it's really shifted, but I think that comes with age and experience. I mean, now I'm actually... Gen Z is great there. I feel like they are very just thoughtful about loving themselves and being kind to yourself because it's so important. And I wish I did it in my 20s. I know they are really good at that. I'm like, where did you guys learn this from? <laughs> like that one in my 20s would have been so much. I was so not nice to myself. So that would have been a lot better. I know. I'm, I, uh, I envy them in a lot of ways for that. But you know, whatever. At least we're all here now. <laughs> we're all on our journey as long as you get there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so follow up question to the self-care conversation is, you know, you are somebody, you're a professional, but you're also somebody who seems very creative. And so you kind of have this duality to, to you in that sense. And I, I'm always curious, like, how does taking care of yourself, whether that be self-care, whether that be well-being, whatever, how does taking care of yourself inform your creativity and your professional life? When you say inform, like, how does it contribute to? Yeah, contribute for sure. Yeah. I actually didn't even realize that I was creative until I graduated and started working. Um, I just thought I was like, oh, science and creativity wasn't really as respected or taken as seriously or valued. And then it was really that moment that I was like, wait, I have nothing to work towards. And wait, I actually want to work on a project and and do something different. I don't want to go to work and do the same thing every day. Um, that's when I realized that I was creative. And it, even then, it still took me a minute to accept that I am because I didn't put myself in that box. So I think that I'm just so big on humans not being put in one box. Like you really have to think out of like, is this my human experience? Am I only meant, let's say, to be an accountant and that's all I should do and I should stay in my lane? Like there, we have so many different interests. And I think another thing that really puts it into perspective is like, okay, I remember when I graduated pharmacy school, I was 24. And the thought of like starting over and doing something different was like, I just spent six years like studying and getting this degree and I have these loans. But if you think about six years out of the hundred in your life, you know, hopefully we live for a hundred or 90 years, that's such a small amount. So who cares if that, whatever, do something completely different and explore different sides of you. Even now I'm like, God, I love interior design. Like who knows, maybe I'll do something with that one day. Like I'm not limiting myself or putting myself into a box. I think that's when you limit your potential. I would say, I mean, sometimes my friends, I'm like, maybe I'll be in a movie one day. Like, I don't know. Why am I saying I can't? Like, there's so many interesting stories of people who do completely different things. And I think if you believe that you have it in you, if you really like know yourself and what you're drawn to and what your natural talents are, you can just explore it. Yeah. 
No, I think I think that's so important. And I think the idea of allowing yourself to dream big and allowing yourself to have these big ideas of your potential, I think it's so important for your mental health. It's, But I think it's also important for like your physical health and all this sort of stuff. It's like you take care of yourself better once you start having these big ideas of, you know, who you could be, you know? Yeah. And I think like the big ideas that you have for yourself when they're rooted not in just like in the right intention like because I think a lot of times it's easy to have things rooted in ego because of something we're lacking so I I, I even asked myself before I was like why don't I always like television is it because I wanted the attention and the validation so I could be on tv and when I really went through this process of learning to love myself and just being so much kinder to myself, I stopped and asked myself, but then I was like, okay, no, I actually find it really exciting and I like it. It, it fires me up. So I knew that was something I really wanted to pursue, but maybe other things where I was like, I want to be on the cover of Vogue. I'm like, oh, I don't really care about that. That would be cool, but it's not something I need to pursue. <laughs> like maybe I wanted the attention then because I was lacking something inside. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like evaluating your motivations behind stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Shifting gears just a touch, um, you know, the day-to-day choices that we make are so important and they impact uh, ourselves in huge ways, even the small ones. And I'm always curious about what are some of the small lifestyle choices people can make that have big impacts. So like basically what are you getting a big return on investment on? I think cleaning up your diet is such a return on investment. I've just seen it with the people around me and how different they feel. If you could just like eliminate processed foods, like such simple things, like even challenge yourself. Okay, I'm not going to use any packaged sauces this week. I'm going to make my own salad dressing. I'm going to eat a little bit, like like add like my plate of more vegetables, even not eating past a certain time. When I don't eat past like 7 p.m., which is I'd say it's between seven to eight most nights. I really try for seven. Genuinely feel better in the morning. I feel lighter. I feel less bloated. I feel more energized. I actually wake up less hungry. So I think cleaning up your diet is huge. And I would say getting some kind of movement, especially in the morning, because it really, really releases endorphins. This is such a real thing. And it just helps you make better choices throughout the rest of your day. So it ends up having a ripple effect. So... I was somebody who was never a morning person my entire life. I forced myself to become a morning person and I'm forever grateful for becoming a morning person. But I I always love to ask people's tips on like, how do you get motivated in the morning to get up and work out? Because now I do and I love it. But like, ask me that five years ago and I would have laughed in your face. I know, same. Um, I think you have to make your morning ritual such a beautiful experience that's just yours I love my alone time in the morning there's something about like being up before the hustle and bustle starts there's just like the world feels quiet so one thing I'll do is like I usually do like a loose leaf like dandelion tea or something like woodsy that feels like coffee because I don't drink coffee very much I'll have it like in my mug ready to go. So in the morning, I just have to press the hot water and put it in. So I'll start it. I'll let it brew while I'm like washing my face, brushing my teeth. Then I'll like have a little sip of my tea. I'll have a really nice meditation experience, whether I'm like sitting in front of the red light or just sitting quietly doing my meditation. And then I'll journal and maybe like read a little bit. Then I'll go work out. And for me, that was more enjoyable for me than just getting up and like rushing out the door and going to the gym. 
And that really, really helped me. Then I'm like ready. I feel like I'm just woken up a little bit. And I think just creating something that you look forward to. People share this a lot, like putting your clothes out the night before, have everything like eliminate the friction that's going to like let you blow it off or make it not important. But you have to find something you like. It's it's very important. Like I'm not going to go to a CrossFit class in the morning ever. <laughs> it's not what I like. It might be what other people like, but it wouldn't motivate me. Yeah. No, I, I, I liked the tip about eliminating the friction. I feel like that's something that I could probably get a little bit better at. Yeah, just like cleaning up the house, laying out your clothes, getting your gym bag ready, you know, doing all those little things, getting your coffee like ready. I That was a new one I just started doing. And it really just helped because even just smelling it, I'm like, okay, like it's just less work you have to do. And I cannot go to bed if it's messy, which asked me this like eight years ago. And I was like, who are you? But I know I want to wake up to a clean kitchen and a clean house. So it's just for my own mental like sanity. Totally. One thing that I talk a lot about and I'm always curious about is I think people struggle with finding the like root issue that they're trying to solve on their wellness journey. And what I mean by this is like, I think that when people start their wellness journey or they know that they just need to change something about their lives to feel better, or they just have this like innate feeling that they're like, okay, I need to do something. I don't feel my best. I think people struggle with like figuring out what is actually causing that, you know, underlying like duress almost. And I'm curious, how do you identify kind of like the root issues that people might be facing or what sort of questions should people ask of themselves to kind of like get to those deeper levels? Basically, it's like, how do people find the why? How do they find like the thing that's making them not feel great or like what's stopping them? Yeah. Like what, what sort of things can they ask themselves to kind of like go find those barriers that are like limiting their beliefs? So one thing, even just to get really technical, I get so specific with my routine and like my day to day. I even just now I, you know, I told you I spent the summer in Toronto. I've been home for about two weeks, two and a half weeks, and I'm still not done. I'm going through cabinet by cabinet in the house. It's like spring cleaning. And I'm like, what is going to make my day to day seamless? Like where are all my supplements going to go so that I can grab it in the morning? How is my food going to be arranged in the fridge? Um, when I buy groceries, what days am I going to do it on? Like, where are my to-do lists? Where are my journals? Because I am trying to see like, what's stopping me from not achieving the things I want to achieve? Like, why am I not having time to maybe work out every day? Because honestly, working out with something, I've always kind of like, I do it, but not every day. Meditation is like my everyday. So I'm like, what's stopping me? Okay, I'm going to get my tea ready. I'm going to have my clothes out the night before. Maybe I'm going to bed at a certain time. So I think really, really honing in on your schedule and on your day and being realistic to like, what is my reality? What are the things that stop me? When do I feel frustrated during the day? You can even write down, there's a great exercise in terms of like, when I feel stressed or anxious, like like I'm riled up, like what makes me feel like that? And how do I feel it in my body? And how can I get myself to a calm state? And then when you write it down and notice it, when you get to those moments, you're much more aware of it. And then you can have your mindful practice to bring you down, whether it's like making eye contact with someone you know and love or just taking a few deep breaths, even like vibration techniques in your stomach or chest with your with sounds you make. So I really get specific when it comes to that. And then just thinking like, what are the things that 
make you unhappy during the day? What are the things that stress you out? What bothers you? And then honing in. It's almost like chipping away at all the things that aren't bringing you joy and really, really leaning into the things that are. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Like get organized about it. I think I think that makes a lot of sense. Really organized about it. Okay. What do you think the wellness industry is getting wrong right now? I mean, there's definitely like a lot of, I would say like there is something new that becomes like all the rage, right? And I don't necessarily think it's a fad. Like maybe it's something that ancients have been doing for a long time, but it's just brought to light. But then there's so many one-off companies that create products that just aren't actual quality, like red lights. If you saw the amount of red lights out there and it does, unfortunately, it's not cool for the consumer because then they're like, this doesn't even work and you get confused and like, why is one more expensive? So I would say like, it's a little bit, not preying on like the vulnerable, but it was like a kind of over-promising things in terms of products. That's probably more just like an ethics standpoint. I also think in terms of wellness, even for me, who this is like kind of what I eat, sleep and breathe, I can get overwhelmed when I follow accounts that are very biohacking and intense because I'm like, oh my God, I am doing everything wrong. And I don't, because they're like, up at five and doing like the PEMF and then the cold, everyone has cold plunges in their house now. And then they're like, you know, doing their salt bath and then 15 minutes or an hour in front of the light. And then this meditation and like, there's so much that I end up feeling overwhelmed. So I think that we all just have to like try one thing at a time. And before you try something, know the why. I think it's also like, great. You see someone doing it. It looks cool. And you want to try it. Make sure the people you're following, you really respect like what they're saying. It's not just something cool you saw because it takes time and energy and money to do all of these things. Like we only have a certain amount of hours during the day. So know your why, do your research behind it. Try one thing at a time. If it resonates with you, then great. Continue it. If not, then don't keep doing it. Don't waste money on it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like this whole conversation just always comes back to the why and, you know, really diving into the motivations behind why. It's true. It's a good theme. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Okay. So the last thing I want to talk to you about is how you take care of yourself. You know, this is a beauty podcast. And so I do want to ask about your beauty routine. Your skin is gorgeous. So I'm dying to know what your skincare routine is. So my skincare routine, I've actually gone extremely clean with my skincare. Um, so I will say, I know firsthand that you can go very clean with products. It does work. I, of course, like every night, you know, never, ever go to sleep with makeup. I just couldn't do it. And like, I don't drink anymore, but let's say I used to go out like a night of drinking. I would even have like um, makeup wipes by the bed. There's just like, I would never go to sleep with it because you can just feel it clogged in the morning. I have, you know, pretty simple, like remove makeup, cleanse my skin. Every time I'm cleansing, I'm always massaging, like pushing up, like massaging with my hands. I do a lot of tapping on my cheeks and then I'll do uh, like a rose water mist. And then I have two serums that I use usually and then a moisturizer. Between each one, I'm tapping. I'm using some kind of jade roller. I'm massaging product into my skin. So I'm never ever just slapping product on my skin. It's almost like when you get a facial, they're pushing it into your skin. Even my one esthetician, I see her like with her hands like push. So I started doing that. Who do you see? Can I ask? Yeah. So Dr. Marmer in New York City. Yes, I love that her. She's amazing. And her esthetician, Allie, is such a hidden gem, honestly. 
And like, you know, you have to go to her office to see her. So it's not really, but she's my favorite. And Madalena Conti is also amazing. She does great facial, facial massage. She used to work at Skin Gym or is it Skin Gym? Yeah, right. Face Gym, Face Gym. Oh, you you are correct. Yes, Face Gym. Yes, <laughs> like it sounds wrong. Uh, one of those. Um, sunscreen every morning, no matter if it's cloudy, rainy, um, even the blue light can impact your skin. So I'm always wearing a tinted sunscreen. Makeup, um, I'm not really like two or three days a week when I'm filming a lot of content, I'll do like a full face of like foundation. Even then I'm using Elia Juice Beauty, this brand Crunchy. I like to use cleaner brands. On the days that I'm not filming, I would say at least three or four days a week, I want nothing on my skin except for like a tinted SPF. And maybe if you're going into the office every day, that's not realistic, but I just feel like naturals coming back. Especially, I love that about New York. No one really wears a full face of makeup here. So it's really nice. Think if you have your eyebrows and a little lashes done, then you know you look put together. Yeah, a nice little glow. And truly, what you eat has a huge difference. My skin is so much better in my 30s than it was in my 20s because I cleaned up my diet. I drink so much water. I eat a lot of greens. So that obviously plays a difference from the inside. Plays a huge role. I mean, that was kind of the next thing I wanted to get into is how do you take care of yourself as a whole, you know, from nutrition to sleep to movement, everything. So I have a couple, there's some non-negotiables, I would say. I really like don't like to go a day without eating a good amount of vegetables, no matter what I'm eating, whether it's dark leafy greens. Um, and I try to get vegetables from different categories. Like I'll try to get like a either like a broccoli or a cabbage or like even if I what I've done, what I will take dark leafy greens sometimes and blend them into a green juice because blending them in water does not taste great unless you add a lot of lemon. But sometimes I've added a little green juice and lemon. And if I really am busy, that's me getting my greens in. Because just juicing it, you're not getting everything. You want to eat it as, as a whole food. So I'm very big on nutrition, on drinking a lot of water. I, I haven't had caffeine in three years now. I really, I, I'm, I, it's not true. I was drinking matcha. I haven't had coffee caffeine in three years. I'm still impressed. Wow. I've been dabbling with the idea of going off of it for like six months. And I, I still haven't made the plunge. I'm telling you, I think so much of it is placebo effect. I've seen it. I've even done many experiments on my friends and family where I don't tell them it's decaf. Nobody ever knows the difference. Make sure you're getting Swiss water decaf if you're getting if you're getting decaf coffee. So no caffeine and then really no phone after eight. I just don't want to be stimulated after 8 p.m. I don't want blue light. I like to wind down. Um, I love taking a bath at night. Sometimes I'll even take a bath at like 6 p.m. when I'm done with the day but still have emails and I'll literally work in the tub for like 30 minutes. It's the most relaxing thing. I love it. It's my quiet time. And movement. I'm very big on movement. I have a little mini um, rebounder in one of our rooms here. So I'll, if I'll bounce on that, I'll walk on the treadmill. I love weight training. I like Pilates. I like mixing it up and just kind of, as long as I, I know what I'm actually giving my body what it needs versus just like mailing it in. But then I also give myself the flexibility to choose. I'm like, you know what? I'm in more of a Pilates mood. I'm in more of a treadmill mood, but I know like how to push myself to be like, okay, I got what I needed today. Sure. And then for mental health, I, you know, do you have any must have habits or routines like meditation, et cetera? Meditation is 
my non-negotiable. It's every morning um, and it's evolved. Like it started off with transcendental meditation and then I went into Joe Dispenza's and like was obsessed for the last like year and a half and the last like, I don't know, four or five months, something has just made me want to sit in silence and not follow any kind of method or any rules. And I think there's so many things that meditation brings you and it's such a lifelong value. Like you just keep learning different things about yourself and you keep getting these, you trust yourself more. So I remember like when I first wanted to sit in silence, I was like, oh, but this isn't like what the Buddha did. And this isn't like what I learned in Vipassana or with Joe Dispenza. And I'm like, why does everyone else know than me? Like, why should anyone tell me how I should sit and serve my mind and body in the morning? This, I'm a human just like everyone else. So I want to sit in silence and not follow anything. And it's been incredible. Like it's genuinely like enjoyable. It's like, you're just sitting and relaxing for, and I end up sitting for 40 minutes a lot of times and could probably sit an hour because it's almost like you're pretend you're just lounging on a chair. That's the way my body feels when I do it. So that's really my my non-negotiable. And I would say the way I talk to myself is so different the last few years. I sometimes I think about the things I used to say, like, oh, I look so ugly. Or like, and now if that ever comes out, I'm like jarred. I'm like, oh, that's so mean. Like the way it would sound if I was saying it to someone else, which really is how you should look at it. And I think that's made a huge difference. I'm kind to myself. I have moments where I'm like, you know, my thoughts will get the best of me, but I stop and I never say it out loud and I change my tune and just love myself more. Well, I think that is a great note to end on. I loved chatting with you. I really love that the whole theme of the episode was getting to the why. I think that's very inspiring and it's certainly something that I'll be thinking about. So thank you so much for joining me today and you know sharing all your insights. This was such a great combo. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. For more beauty content from the team at MindBuddyGreen, You can always read along with our content at mindbuddygreen.com, follow us on social media, and of course, tune into next week's episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to rate and review us. And if you ever want to reach out with questions or insights or thoughts, you can find me on Instagram at Alex underscore Blair underscore. Thanks so much for your time.